Good morning, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. Today, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon titled Faith versus Magic from Acts chapter 13. Prayer is such a powerful thing. It can breathe life into the dead and bring comfort in the middle of chaos. It's not a shortcut to our wants and desires. So often we can say that we have faith in Jesus, but we're only asking him to address the most basic areas in our life. We'll ask for money, health, or success. We'll make a request only if we get the outcome we want. True faith in prayer asks Jesus to transform us without any control over the outcome. It means putting our faith in him and obeying his commands. The greatest magic of all isn't the power to get what we want. The greatest magic is the love of Jesus to meet the deepest needs of your heart that only your creator can satisfy. Will you trust him? I will never forget 1995, the fall of 1995, when we, there was a one-game playoff. The Seattle Mariners got to the playoffs for the first time. I, I freaked out. I was a freshman in college, and all of us just went absolutely nuts. And it happened again this weekend. And I'm a happy man. <laughs> Seattle fans are allowed to root and uh, have success once every 25 years. <laughs> and so I'm good with them being in the cellar from now on out. And they, they're not allowed to go to the World Series. That's just how it works. Uh, if you are new or visiting with our church, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Let me introduce you to who we are and what we believe. There's three things that we believe as a church. Number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. Uh, we, get to, we get to be in a community where we get to be honest about what's going on in our lives and at the same time know that we are loved right where we are. You and I do not have to prove our worthiness. That is a gift granted to us. Amen? Which means that we get to be honest about what's going on in our lives. And then in that vulnerability, we get healed. That's why there's always hope. I mean, just look at the person next to you. They're all messed up and they're here, so everything's great, right? Second, we get to trust in our risen Savior, right? Uh, n- n- the word trust, is a, th- that's a relationship word. That's not a, uh, that's not a performance word. Faith and trust and believe, those are relationship words. That's where we, we're honest and we're vulnerable and we put our weight upon Jesus because he knows what he's doing. We sang that today over and over again, that I will trust you, I will wait I will, when you say jump, that's when I'll go. When you say wait, that's when I'll stay. So we listen to Jesus because uh, he, he's smarter than me. Well, I know that you know that he's smarter than me, right? That's obvious. For each one of us, we have to come to that place. And we want church to be a place where we can come to that place in encouragement rather than in pain. Does that make sense? Third, we believe that we get to bring restoration to our city. And so Zed got to bring restoration with the youth group. Next week, we're going to hear from Julian and his family in Cornwall, England, about how they took the change for a dollar, and then they got to bless somebody in England. How great is that? So let me ask you a question. We just gave our change for a dollar. Who here, and hopefully someone that's never done it before, who here is being prompted by the Holy Spirit to give? 
Okay, Mr. Franco. All right. Okay, we're going to have Ben because you haven't done it before. So, okay, so you guys, so the Franco family, you'll give it away, yeah? And will you come back next week and tell your story? Shazam. I love it. Okay. Can we pray for Ben and his family? Jesus, may your hand be upon the Francos as they give this money away. Uh, Whoever it, it touches, Lord Jesus, we pray that your spirit, your hope, your joy, your love, your delight would rest upon them. And we pray the same for the Franco family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So uh, each one of those truths, that there's hope beyond our brokenness, that we get to trust in a risen Savior and bring restoration, comes with the choice that you and I make every day. Let's once again choose this together. Let's declare this out loud. We do this every week, just in case you're new. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to join Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? So we are in the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to continue in the book of Acts. Today is Acts uh, chapter 13. Today's another wild uh, chapter in the book of Acts. But before I say anything about the book of Acts, I need to introduce to you the late and beloved Skippy. And uh, here he is. So Skippy was born paralyzed, and then I callously killed him because I gave him a bath. And if you weren't here last week, um, uh, well, then listen to the sermon because you'll find out how I ended Skippy's brief and beautiful life by unknowingly giving him a bath. Uh, so I'm sorry, and, uh, and uh, forgive me, uh, specifically to the two little girls uh, that, that loved Skippy so well, and which I didn't love him well, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. It's going to take me a while to dig out of that hole, folks. Um, can we pray before I make any, do anything else? Oh, Lord Jesus. We need you here. Jesus, we need you right where we are. Open our hearts, and and we open our hearts. We say yes to you right now, Jesus. We bind up and mute anything opposed to Christ that's on us. I cast that off, Lord. If it can go, uh, command it to leave now in the name of Jesus. Wherever we are, Father, anything uh, that's just sticking around, we bind up and mute now by the blood of Jesus. We need your protection, your help, Lord. Open our ears, open our hearts. Give us wakefulness and attentiveness to your word, Lord Jesus. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So can I have permission to speak to your hearts, your heart of hearts once again? Today I want to talk to you about the difference between magic and faith. Uh, We get this so easily confused in our culture and I'm going to show you how, we're going to see how this is, we have the exact same culture as 2,000 plus years ago uh, on the island, Mediterranean island of Cyprus. Uh, not much has changed. Um, when I was, uh, uh, I'll never forget, I was worked up at camp up in 
in the Sierra Nevadas up Highway 41 past Fresno, past Oakhurst, a little camp called Calvin Crest. And, uh, and when the years that I was there, uh, it was a, a really amazing place. Like Jesus showed up in spectacular ways. And over the course of the two summers that I worked there, I saw multiple kids, hundreds of kids, have their lives changed. Uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of kids give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. And then I saw on multiple occasions kids be delivered from demonic oppression and possession. I saw miracles happen. I saw people get healed. It was amazing. And so um, after my first summer there, I could not, like, my mind was blown. Like, I had no idea that this world existed. I grew up in a uh, in a Presbyterian church in Seattle, Washington, where faith was about thinking correctly, right, and then being responsible. Uh, and so that God would show up in power, that Jesus, his, his name, would cause evil and darkness to flee. I, I had no category for that in my brain. Um, but I knew, uh, come, going back to my senior year of college, that now... I. I I was in a different world in which there was forces of darkness and of light. And so here's Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington. And we, there was a, a, a magician that was going to come to the college campus. And I was like, okay, yep, this is just going to be like just this guy. He's just going to be evil and dark and horrible. And I'm going to go and I'm going to pray against him the entire time and just watch his magic act fail. Um, yes. I was so full of pride and arrogance. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I went to that magic show, and he did all of his magic tricks. And annoyingly, he had uh, on the plane written a phrase, uh, put it in a sealed envelope, uh, and then had it mailed to him uh, five days later. And some kid opened it up and, uh, and kept the answer close. And he picked in... Uh, um, picked a number between 1 and 500, and some kid got it right and said, what's your phrase? And he said, never, 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 put, touch, never pet a flaming dog. And the other kid opened up the envelope, and there was a stupid phrase, and I was so mad. <laughs> and I was like, how is this possible? I'm praying against this magic. How is this possible? Uh, and I, I want to expose to you why it is that that didn't work today uh, and talk to you the difference between magic and faith. Um, so that's where we're going. Are you ready? Okay, so let's get some context first. Um, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Can you read with me? Now, in the church at Antioch. Okay, let's stop there. Antioch is in modern-day Lebanon, uh, which is north of Israel along the coast. That's Antioch, okay? Just below Turkey, okay? On the, the far northeast corner of the Mediterranean. That's Antioch. After the church was persecuted in Jerusalem, Antioch became the hub. Okay? It became the hub of missions. It became the hub of church planting. It became the hub of fundraising. It became the, became the hub of Christianity for a while. Let's keep on reading. Now in the church to Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. A prophet is somebody that says, God's kingdom is coming here on earth as it is in heaven which means I'm going to speak the truth about how that plays out. Teachers talk and teach us about what the gospel is, the good news, that Jesus, we are more broken than we want to admit, 
and more love than we could ever dare to hope because of what Jesus has done for us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Prophets then show you what that looks like practically every day, culturally in our life. Make sense? Okay. So the prophets and teachers, five guys they're going to name. Number one, Barnabas. Number two, Simeon called Niger. Number three, Lucius of Cyrene. Four, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Normally, when we read passages like this in our Bible, our eyes glaze over. This is when we fall asleep or say squirrel or think about our grocery list, right? Okay, so, but I, I need you to understand a couple of things about these five guys because they should not be praying together. Number one, first you have Barnabas. Remember the word bar in Hebrew means son of, okay? Bar-nabas. Nabas means encouragement, so Barnabas' name means son of encouragement, okay? So when Jesus is crucified and they, Pontius Pilate says, um, who would you like to have, who do you want to save and who do you want to have crucified? Would it be Jesus or Barabbas, or in other words, Bar-Abbas. You know what Abba means? Do you want the son of the father or the one who claims to be the son of the father? So they choose Barabbas, Bar-Abbas, son of, get it? That's what Bar means, okay? So Barnabas, he's a Jew, He's culturally, ethnically Jewish, grew up in Israel. He sold a field early in the church, funded an amazing ministry to widows. And then you had, remember those two, that couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to be like Barnabas. Then they lied, and then then they died. Remember that? Acts chapter 5. That's a crazy chapter. Okay. Barnabas is rock solid. Then there's Simeon. He's called Niger, which is Latin for black. Simeon is Jewish. He's most likely North African. In fact, scholars think that he's Ethiopian. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch, the official, the secretary of treasury for Ethiopia? When he goes back home, what does he do? He leads people to Christ. And then Simeon says, I'm supposed to, God has called me to then go back to Jerusalem to help this fledgling movement. So Simeon is an Ethiopian, most likely. Then what do we have next? Lucius. Oh, Lucius is either Greek or Roman. It's a, great, it's a Greek name, but he's just a straight pagan who got converted. Make sense? Then who's next? Menaean. Every single one of, Herod the, of all the Herods, starting with Herod the Great, that's when Jesus was born, All the way down, there's four Herods. Every single one of those was friends with their Roman counterpart. So Julius Caesar was jealous of Herod the Great because Herod the Great built more spectacular things in Israel than Julius Caesar did. It all got destroyed. Rome, half of it's still there, right? So Menaean is a guy that hung out with the Herods. He's that high up in Roman culture, right? 
Think sons and nephews of presidents. That's Menaean. Menaean gives his life to Christ. He's Roman. Finally, who do you got? Saul. Tell me if you've heard this joke before. A nice Jewish boy named Barnabas, an Ethiopian convert to Judaism named Simeon, a random Greek guy named Lucius, a Roman elite named Moen, Menaean, and a failed murderous Jewish rabbi all walk into a bar. (laughs) These guys have nothing in common. Zero. Nothing. Except Jesus. What are they doing? They are worshiping the Lord and fasting. They are singing their prayers to Jesus, honoring him, glorifying him, waiting, listening. They're not asking for anything. They're just simply recognizing that Jesus is Jesus, that he's God. They're not demanding anything. In fact, what they're doing is that they're giving up food so that the hunger that they feel in their body matches the hunger that they have in their spirit for the bread of life, who is Jesus himself. That's what fasting is. And then what's the result? The Holy Spirit tells five people with zero in common that are knocking at, they don't have the same sports team, they don't have the same politics, they barely have the same language, they don't have the same set of backgrounds or experiences, they have different views on money, they have different views on family, they, all of them vote different because they're all from different countries. And they're all listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says to them, what? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You know what that means? It means that Lucius, Menaean, and Simeon are willing to finance Barnabas and Paul. When you worship Jesus, you are saying you are worthy of everything. That's not just words, it's also actions. You're saying this, what can I give to you, Jesus, who has given me everything? My heart is yours, my time is yours, my money is yours, my priorities are yours. Because of you, Jesus, because you prioritized me, you sacrificed everything for me. Worship is singing God's praise and then living out our life as a living act of worship, a living sacrifice. And so the Holy Spirit says, Barnabas and Saul are going to go, and Simeon and Menaean and Lucius say, we'll make that trip happen. So what happens next? Verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and that's a port city, and sailed from there. So they go to Santa Barbara, and then they sailed to the Channel Islands, Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, that's the port of Cyprus, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John, that's that's a young guy, they call him Mark, Um, He ended up being the author of the book of Mark. He's called John Mark. He's their intern, okay? He was with them as helper. So here's Cyprus, right? So they're up there uh, 
in, in north of Lebanon, and then they go down to the port city, and they sail over to Cyprus. Does that make sense? They serve the poor, they pray for people, and what happens in every single instant that Christians show up to a new place? As they are loving people, and as they're praying for them, and serving them, and giving them money, and helping them, and meeting their needs, God the Holy Spirit moves in power, people get healed, people get saved, it's amazing, okay? Verse 6, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Say that word with me. You know what Paphos means? It's a great word. Paphos. The city's still there today on Cyprus. It literally means boiling hot. Paphos. This soup is Paphos. You look Paphos today. Paphos. It has a colloquial where it's hot as H-E double hockey sticks. You know what I'm saying? Right? Paphos. I love that. Bakersfield is Paphos in the summer, right? Right? Arizona is even more Paphos all year round, okay? There they met, read with me. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named, oh, what's his name? Son of Jesus. Hmm. And he was an attendant of the governor, proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The governor of Cyprus, Sergius Paulus, was an intelligent man sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. So, why does Sergius Paulus want to know about Jesus? Well, because everybody hears about Jesus and the amazing miracles that's going on. Now, why did this guy name himself Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer dude, the Jewish sorcerer guy? Why did he name himself the son of Jesus? Well, because he too also heard about the amazing miracles of Jesus, okay? But instead of getting to know Jesus and loving Jesus and having the Holy Spirit flow through him, he thinks to himself, I want to be a miracle worker like Jesus, and so I'll learn a trade, and that trade is called sorcery. I'll buy scrolls so I can do incantations and tragically ask demons to do my bidding at a supremely high cost to myself. So then Bar-Jesus gets noticed by a Roman in charge of doing things in Cyprus. See, sorcery is very effective because in witchcraft magic, because like things get done. Now, it'll crush you at the end, but things get done. And people in power want to get things done too, yes? Right? Sergius Paulus, he's probably a guy in his late 40s, early 50s. He's governor of Cyprus. That'd be like being the governor of Idaho. Does anybody know who the governor of Idaho is? Nope. And no one ever will unless you live in Idaho, and then you'll know that for like 10 minutes and then forget. Why? Because the hope of someone who's the governor of Idaho was then that they would be senator somewhere, or they might be vice president, or they might be president. It's a stepping stone position, just like the proconsul of Cyprus. Picking up what I'm putting down? 
So Sergius Paulus is thinking to himself, how do I advance my career? I got to get things done. I'll find, I'll surround myself with getting done kind of people. And here's one guy. He's a magician. He's a sorcerer. And he gets stuff done. Bar Jesus and Sergius Paulus both wanted power. And and then one day they hear about these, these two guys and their intern, Barnabas, Saul, and John Mark, the intern, who are doing more miraculous things than, they, than they've ever done. And they're thinking to themselves, what is going on? And so they say, hey, bring them. Sergius Paulus says, I want to meet these people. Verse 8, but Bar-Jesus, that's Elimus, the magician. Elimus just means magician, by the way, or sorcerer. That's Bar-Jesus' nickname. Bar-Jesus opposed Barnabas and Saul and the intern and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Why? Well, yeah, Bar-Jesus spent a lot of time and money trying to influence politics on Cyprus. He didn't want to lose his investment. Bar-Jesus had spent a lot of time and money on all the scrolls and his education, and finally he was in a position where he was actually had real access to real power, and he didn't want to give that up. And here's these yokels coming along, praying in Jesus' name. He thought that he had the whole Jesus thing covered on Cyprus by naming himself the son of Jesus. Ain't nobody come come along and like take that from him. Oh my gosh. The magician doesn't want the governor to have. Hmm. Luke could have picked uh, the, that, that Bar-Jesus didn't want to turn. He wanted to turn the proconsul from from knowledge. Luke could have picked a lot of different words other than faith. Could have been knowledge, could have been trust, could I mean like all these all these different words. But Luke chooses the word faith. And this is at the heart of what Luke is getting at in this passage. Magic has no room for faith in Jesus, and faith in Jesus has no room for magic. So here's my question to you today. What's the difference between faith and magic? Can I give you some answers? And let me just pray once. Lord Jesus, we just, again, bind up anything opposed to Christ that's here now by the blood of Jesus. Father, open our ears and our hearts to you. Help us to hear, because this is so important. You guys agree? Magic is all about outcomes. You say and do particular things for a price so you can get what you want. Can you see how our culture promotes this. Next slide. Faith is all about a relationship with Jesus. You talk to Jesus, you listen to Jesus, you receive undeserved life and joy from Jesus, and then you trust and obey Jesus. Let me do it again in a more simple way. Ready? Next slide. Magic is about what I want. Faith is about Jesus and what Jesus wants. We live in a culture where magical thinking is literally everywhere. We just don't call it magical. Our entire notion of success is based off magical thinking. I want a particular outcome in my life, so I'm going to make that happen. It does not matter what the price is. That's magical thinking. Does that make sense? 
if I say the right things, if I do the right things, if I have this right car, if I have this right persona, if I have this right image, if I've achieved this level of financial success, then I will have the outcome in my life, meaning I will do all the things and then pay these prices, and then I will have Shazam, the outcome that I want. Abracadabra. Does that make sense? And what we all know is that that equation doesn't work for long. It works in the short term beautifully. That's why it's so addictive, right? Oh, man, if I just had that, then I'll be happy. And then we're happy for how long? 11 seconds, two weeks, 10 days, 14 minutes. It all depends on the size of the purchase. And then all of a sudden, we're not happy anymore. Right? Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, even churches do this. This is crazy, right? Prayer, pray this prayer and you'll get rich. I want you all to get a washcloth from your home and send that. Actually, no, I'll get washcloths from my home. I'll wash them. You send me $500. I'll send you the washcloth and then it'll bless your life. literally what they've done, right? Oh, do you want financial success in your life? Do you want to uh, have your marriages be great? Do you want your, all of your relationships to work out perfect? Uh, in Christians, this, this is nuts. There'll be, pastors will do this. They're like, let me show you three principles, and if you do these principles, then shazam, your life will work out. That's magical thinking, that's sorcery. That's, that's magical. If I do these things, it has nothing to do with my relationship with God. Has, I'm not talking to Jesus. I'm not trusting Jesus. All I'm doing is doing these couple of things, and then my life will work out. Faith is talking to Jesus. It's listening to Jesus. Faith is saying to Jesus, your will, your kingdom, your timing, your outcomes. Next slide. Magic builds my kingdom. Read this with me. Faith builds Jesus' kingdom. Keep on reading with me. Magic makes my name great. Faith makes Jesus' name great. Louder. Magic is the attempt to get my plan accomplished. Faith is us listening to Jesus' plan and getting his will accomplished. Yeah, you say, okay, Andy, but magic is powerful. It makes things happen. I get it. You and I all want good things to happen in our life. We're not so foolish, I hope. I hope none of you actually go to like palm readers or do like actual magic, right, where you're literally asking a demon to make things happen for you. Please don't do that ever, ever. If you have... I can, we can just pray through with you about that. We've done it many times before, and we'll just break that in Jesus' name so that thing doesn't torment you anymore. And don't be ashamed about that at all. There's so many people in my life who've unknowingly said yes to that, and then they don't know what to do, and this thing is there in their life, and they can feel it, okay? So we can end that, okay? So just talk to me, and we will pray that very simple prayer. But as Christians... 
We want God to show up and make things happen. Jesus, just come down and flex. Pow! Right? <clears throat> and this is where as Christians we get real sticky, right? Because we can slide into the mentality so easily in our magical thinking culture. We can slide into the mentality that prayer is God magically changing our situations, right? So we think, we, we think about prayer this way. Um, we think it in terms of magical thoughts. Well, I thought if I prayed that God would heal my, 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 my ailment or my friend's ailment or my family's ailment, right? I said, dear God, please heal my family in Jesus' name. Right? That's, that's how Christians can... We can pollute prayer, which is a conversation with living, breathing, alive Jesus into a magic formula that functions like a slot machine where, dear Jesus, heal, provide, amen. Isn't that the way prayer works? No, that's magic. It's not faith. That's magic. In fact, God's miracles... Even if you got that miracle, that miracle would never produce faith. When Jesus appeared in front of his friends after the resurrection, Matthew writes this. This is hilarious. Read this with me. Jesus is alive. Alive! Holes! Spear! Alive! No one survives crucifixion. He's alive. Read this with me. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Mm-mm. That's human. All of us. All of us do that. All of us do that. So many of us, when we are here, uh, we, we, we've come to church during the pandemic. Within the first, I don't know, four months of the pandemic, when church wasn't happening, then we were preparing for it. June, we launched. Third week that we had church out there in the parking lot with tent covers and whatnot, um, a family shows up, Daniel and Echo. Daniel was literally dead on the ground from a drug overdose. Some random guy from Kentucky took a vacation in Pismo Beach. How many people from Kentucky vacation in Pismo Beach, right? He's in Pismo Beach walking along a random street where Daniel and Echo live. Daniel is dead, lying on the ground. Um, Echo doesn't even know that he's dead. Daniel's just dead, lying on the ground outside of his truck from a drug overdose. The guy walks up. He, Daniel's been dead for like eight, ten minutes. And then Echo sees him, cries, screaming. The guy walks up, and then um, they see Daniel's like, like gray, blue, stone cold, dead, right? Dead. The guy's like, Jesus, please heal Daniel. Bring him back to life. Daniel sits up. <gasps> raised to life. Amen. Yeah, somebody say Amen. So that miracle changed your life, didn't it? I mean, you've prayed more because of that, right? I mean, right now, the thing that you're struggling with, like you trust Jesus infinitely more because you know that miracle exists, right? No. No, miracles don't create faith. They don't. Uh, three months later, we're worshiping. Now we have built a tent Thank you to the guys who made the tent. I love the tent. 
were worshiping one night prayer night, and the angriest young woman I've ever met, Zed was friends with her. Um, it's not Denise. It was the girlfriend before Denise. Anyways, uh, it's true. I, it's being honest, man. She was mad, bro. Like, she was just, woo, she was mad. Angry, right? You know, like, not like hungry, angry, like just angry. Uh, and she's all twisted in knots about politics and Christians and all the things. And I get it. I had compassion with her. She showed up, and she had a broken foot. Literally, she broke her foot during the pandemic, didn't want to go to the doctor and get COVID, and so her bone in the top of her foot was higher, like it was literally sticking out, and she's mad that now her foot's all busted and messed up. She's all in pain. So we lay hands on her and pray for her. I'm laying hands on her and praying for her, and literally, I can feel the bone going back into place. And this was my prayer, Jesus, please heal her foot right? It wasn't a magical formula. It was just a conversation with my Jesus. And Jesus decided to heal her foot. And she, tears of joy and all this great stuff. 10 minutes later, she was just as mad as she'd ever been. (laughs) You want more examples? My father, right? Prayed one prayer in his entire life to Jesus. My older brother is sitting on the operating table. After he's being born, he's, he's got gastroschisis. So his gastro, his stomach, his schesis is opened, and all of his intestines are out. He was given a 1% chance of living in 1976. My dad drops to his knees and says, Jesus, if you exist, save my son. A literal cloud opens up over Port Angeles, Washington. That's on the Olympic Peninsula of the state of Washington, where it is cloudy 360 days out of the year. They, give up, they, have a five, they have a 5% discount where they get five days off, but uh, it's cloudy all the time. A literal hole opens up. There's, the helicopter is saying, we can't land. We don't know where the, where the, you know, we can't see anything. We have no line of sight. We cannot land. My father lands on his knees. He says, Jesus, you exist. Save my son. That exact moment, the clouds part. The helicopter lands. They get my brother on the helicopter. Go to Children's Orthopedic Hospital in Seattle. His life is saved. My brother's now 46 years old. He's got two kids. Didn't do a darn thing for my father. He did not believe or trust Jesus after that. Miracles don't produce faith, nor do miracles automatically change hearts. God split the Red Sea in two, delivered a million plus people from slavery and misery and bondage. A week later, all of them are complaining against God because they're sick that a miraculous food appears on the ground and feeds them for free every day. And you know what they name it? Manna which literally means in Hebrew, what the heck is this? (laughs) Not God provides or praise God or I'm so grateful, but what the heck is this? (laughs) So how do we have more faith? Because sometimes what we do, okay, so we... We know that we shouldn't like actually do magic and Ouija board and go see palm readers, yeah? Yes. Please say yes. yes. Okay. 
So then what we do is we think, well, my prayer then will be kind of like magical. And if I get the formula right, then God will do, no, it doesn't work like that. Got it? See the second point of the sermon? So then how do you have faith? How do you have more faith? We ask Jesus for more faith. And read this with me. And we get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And then we choose to remember his goodness, trust Jesus, and obey. Let me put it like this. Look, God has answered your prayers like 3,000 times already. Oh, please say yes. You have forgotten all the things that God has answered you about, right? Over and 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 over again, Jesus has shown up in your life financially with an opportunity, with peace or hope when you needed it, with healing. And after each time, you were like, yes, thank you, God, Jesus, woohoo! And then 10 minutes later, we're anxious again. We're like, Lord, where are you? That's human. Humans stink at faith. Why? You're facing another situation right now where Jesus is asking you to forgive and you won't because you want to control whether or not they're, they're actually going to be sorry. And you're delaying forgiveness. You know it's not going to work, but you're doing it anyways. You're in a situation right now where Jesus is asking you to be generous and you have the money, but you're afraid because you don't know how it's all going to work out. And if you want to get that one thing, well, you don't even know what that one thing is, but just in case. And so you're delaying being generous, and you know it's not going to work out, but it does, but that's what you're doing. Uh, By the way, I'm using all examples that apply to my life today, okay? So I'm, I'm not any better than you. I know, I know right now, right now in my life, that there are areas of pride where I literally think that I'm better than you or than anybody else. I'm amazing. And God is asking me to give that up and be humble, and I am delaying. Faith is choosing to trust and obey even when you're anxious and uncomfortable about what's going to happen next. Faith is praying, Jesus, I know you've provided me for 3,000 times before, so show me what to do. Help I will wait, I will do what you ask, even if it doesn't work out the way that you think. Because you know what happens in your life is that you will have faith to obey Jesus, and then someone else's free will will mess it up. How many times does that happen to you? Everybody better raise their hand right now, right? You showed up, they didn't. You, 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 you anteed up, right? And we're all in, and they were like, mm, I'm going to do the hokey pokey. How's that feel? Terrible. Faith is also letting Jesus help you. We pray for God to show up, and he does, and then we dismiss it. I've had four conversations with friends within the last week. They're all like, oh, I just need help. And I'm like, okay, here's help. And they're like, no. What? Lord, please provide for me. Here you go. Mm, No, Lord, please provide. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. 
This is absolutely so essential. Let people love you. Let them love you. Stop resisting because it's the practice of how you will let Jesus love you. And we say, oh, I don't want to be a burden, or someone else is more worthy, or that's too much, or I can't accept that. Hogwash, stop it right now. The King of Kings died for you. Amen? Let Jesus love you. What's the alternative? What if we don't have faith? What if we get stuck in our magical thinking? Here we go, verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Bar-Jesus and said to him, you're, you're not the son of Jesus. You're the son of the... Somebody says, snap. <laughs> and an enemy of everything that is right, you're all full of, you're, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And Paul then says this, now the hand of the, he's, man, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Next slide, verse 11. Read this with me. Wait, no, no, come on, read it. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him. Bar Jesus is blind in a room where there's light. Bar Jesus is literally bumping into the walls in front of Sergius Paulus, the governor of Idaho. What is this? What is this? This, my friends, is the love of Jesus. This is the love of Jesus. Why? Oh, man, because Saul was all, he was all about magical thinking when he was a murderous rabbi. He was all about, if I just do this, then it all work out. And what did Jesus do? Knocked him off his high horse and made him blind. And Saul, Saul just skipped all the middle stuff and went straight for the blindness for Bar-Jesus and just said, boop. Listen, Luke leaves out a really important uh, detail. Luke doesn't tell us whether or not Bar-Jesus comes to faith. And I think this is really important. Because you need to be confronted with your own blindness that is created by your magical thinking. None of us say, next slide, Denise. None of us say, you know, I, I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just want him to give me stuff. I practice a form of magic where I pray, but those prayers are only for my outcomes, my will, my timing, my way. And then when Jesus asks me to do something, I just like, I just say No. And when Jesus offers me love or hope, I push that aside because I don't think I'm worthy of it. Instead, I ask Jesus for miracles and also for the strength to live independent of him. Nobody says this out loud. And maybe there's one part of what I just wrote that you can relate with where you're not so blind about it in your own life. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to live blind. So 
would you be willing to take a risk with me and do just a, one or two prayers? I know it's late. We're going to end right here. Will you do one or two prayers with me? Okay. Pray with me. Jesus. It's, ri- it's written up there, too. Jesus, I'm all done with my pride. I'm not better than everyone else. I don't know the way. I can't do it all. Lead me, for your way is better than my way. How about this one? Jesus, I'm all done with my fear. I can't predict the future. I can't prevent catastrophe or pain. Lead me through this valley of death. How about this one? Jesus, I'm all done with my performance and perfection. I can't do it all perfect, and I'm tired of pretending to others that I have it all together. You've given me friends who can help, and I'm willing to receive their love and your love. Leave me. The lifelong politician will end up giving his life to Jesus. Sergius Paulus will say yes to Christ because he heard about the good news of the King of Kings who didn't do magic to save him, but out of love died for him in his place so that Sergius Paulus wouldn't get more power and he wouldn't get more things done, but he would get Jesus himself for all eternity. And no one knows, no one knows the governor of Idaho's name. And no one will ever know the different rulers on the island of Cyprus. But everyone knows Sergius Paulus's name. Because the moment that he made Jesus great, Jesus lifted him up too. Let your legacy be building Jesus' kingdom and his legacy. And God will take care of everything else. Amen? Amen? Would you pray? Jesus, we ask for more faith today. God, would you please help us to be comfortable with being afraid when we don't know how it's all gonna work? Thank you for the patience of my friends. Thank you for their generosity. Thank you, Jesus, that they are having more faith. Their generosity and their willingness to love is just so evident, and I just ask for more More, Jesus, more of you, more of you in every area of our life, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, would you stand for the benediction? We have incredible food for you. Hey, if you want to pray through this or talk more about this sermon, head across the street for a table talk after you get a bite to eat. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. 
Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.